Good morning, everybody. My name is Nate. I am one of the pastors here. Welcome today. We are continuing our four series. So basically our four series, four reaching wide, four growing deep, four the next generation, and four unleashing compassion. That is how we live out our mission here at Hutch First Naz. And to jump right into it, today is four reaching wide. And this is something that is near and dear to my heart because of my past. But I do have a story for you guys. Back in Central California, some odd years ago, there was a dad, a husband, who was absolutely dragged to a church event. Dragged, kicking and screaming. And it may not be that dramatic as, you know, as the story goes. But when he tells it, he did not want to be there. He did not want to be a part of what was going on there. He did not want to belong there. He did not want anything that those people were selling because it was all for weak, weak people. And we all know people like that. We all know people who look at what we do gathering here and they think it's not for them. In fact, Our country as a whole, I don't know if we watch this kind of stuff as pastors, but the numbers are declining. So in America right now, we still have this mark of 70-ish percent of people still claim to be Christians. But when you dig farther into the numbers, 54% believe in the God as portrayed in the Bible. That's a huge drop-off from those who say they are Christian. 40% attend just one time a month. 30% attend weekly. And as you get younger, the numbers get worse. So our 18 to 29-year-olds, just 21% of people actually attend church. And we, we, that doesn't happen here. I mean, we're in Kansas. We're in the Bible Belt, right? But as Pastor Brandon had a few months ago, The numbers aren't much different here in Reno County. In fact, 28,680 approximately people don't go to church, don't have a, a church home, don't have much of a faith of their own. Now, we're only a county of roughly 60,000 ish people. So that's a big chunk. And these people are people we love, it's our family members, and it's, it goes beyond that. It's our coworkers and our friends and our acquaintances. It's, it's the people who play on our child's um, sports team. It goes on and on and on, but we are around these type of people every day. And the good thing is the church has already been through this. The church has already been through a much worst case scenario when it was igniting and when it took over the world. And one of the chief architects of that chosen by God to spread the gospel was, of course, Paul. And today we're going to go 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to jump in there, um, find it in your Bibles or on your your phones or your flat screens. Um, You can jump there now. But Paul spends much of, of the chapter before where I'm going to jump in at verse 19, talking about his freedom. His freedom as a follower of Christ, his, his freedom as an apostle, his rights as an apostle. Very few people were actually apostles, so he had rights in that spot. His rights as a follower 
of Jesus just in general. And so when he jumps into this next line, it's going to seem a little harsh at first. But it's him portraying a message. And verse 19 says this. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many people as possible. And I love this. I was going through my commentaries this last week and I have one by N.C. Wright and he explains it like this. When Paul talks about his freedom, he's not talking about a freedom to go and do, go do whatever he wants. Whenever Paul talks about freedom, he is talking about a freedom for. And that so perfectly goes along with this series because it is a freedom for people, a freedom for the world, a freedom for the mission he has been put under by, by Jesus himself, a freedom for those that are far from God. The freedom to be the person God wants you to be, the freedom from the things that stand in your way of your God-given purchase or purpose. <clears throat> to the Jews, I became like a Jew. This is verse 20. To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. Now this... We know anyone that's, that's read any of Acts and Paul's journey and, and his letters, he gets beaten a lot. And when we look at this, when, the, when they break it down, the reason why he gets beaten so much is because of this. He puts himself under the temple authority, under the synagogue authority, so he can go in and be a part of what's going on in the synagogue to win those under the law, the Jews at the time, to share the message. So every time he walks in, he puts himself under that authority. So the moment he talks about Jesus, he is now breaking their law and he has to suffer for it. Now, when I look at that, we don't ever, we don't have that in our lives. We're not getting beaten to share the gospel, but I still hesitate constantly because I might get rejected or someone might think I'm silly kind of puts things in perspective. Verse 21 says, To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So, I, so as to win those not having the law. This is the Gentiles. This is, this is the world we live in. Those far from God, those don't know God, those are the ones who we target as followers of Jesus now. And he is not saying, hey, I'm going out and I'm partying and I'm living it up. Good old Roman, Roman party time, right? No, it's, it's not. It is, he is still under Christ's law. And Christ's law is a pattern of living. It is living by the example and following the example of Jesus. Verse 22 says this, to the weak I became weak to win 
the weak. That is now the fifth time he has used that term, to win. And it is not winning a race, winning a, winning a championship, although he will go a little bit into that later. Think of it this way. When Paul talks about win in this context, he is actually talking about um, a significant um, sum of money by a, oh my goodness, by a, um, well, I lost my train of thought. A significant sum of money by an investment. By an investment. So when we look at this, he, when he talks about winning, he is winning these people because a significant investment he has made in their lives by turning over his own. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I might save some. Win goes to save because that's really what it's all about. It's not about converts, it's about souls. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. So what does this mean for us? We're not Paul, right? We, didn't, we weren't called by Jesus by a big shining bright light and brought into this life. No, we, we were called by Jesus. We were brought into this life and we have been put on, put on mission. But what does that mean for us? And on vacation, me and my, uh, my brother-in-law, we were, we were out in the surf, kind of body surfing back and forth. We were talk, talking about while we were waiting for the next wave, we continued to talk about our next sermons we had coming up and what we were working on and how we were living that out. And he, he told me a story of a guy coming in and saying, Brad, I just had a dream. I had a dream that the father was running towards the people, the lost people of Ventura. The, the father is running and we're not running with him. And I love that parable. And a parable is a story, a fictional story told to deliver a biblical truth. And Jesus told them all the time. And this, this is from the, the parable of the prodigal son. And we've all heard this. And another thing we kind of talked about, it actually comes from Tim Mackey. It's the moment that we, we stop seeing a passage of the Bible with a new open, with an open heart, expecting to learn something new, is the moment we stop learning from that passage. And this was one of those moments where I learned something new from this passage. And so the story goes like this: Jesus tells the story, and it, the younger son demands from his father his inheritance, all the money he's supposed to get when his dad dies, and his dad gives it to him. His father gives it to him. And so the youngest son takes his inheritance and blows it all over the, the countryside, giving away, partying it up, doing everything he's not supposed to do, disrespecting his family by his actions. And then he realized once all the money is gone, once he's working for a pig farmer and the pigs are eating better than him, that he had the life he wanted the whole time with his father. 
And in that moment, he decides even going back to be a servant under his dad in his dad's house will be so much better than the life he is living separate from him. So he starts his journey back and Luke 15 verse 20 says this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And it didn't stop there. Everything he thought he squandered away, his, his father poured it back on him. He gave him the ring, gave him a coat, threw a huge party, brought his son back into the house that his son left. The problem is there's, there's a third character in here. And we, we've talked about who are you before, the, the, the younger son or the older son, you got to be one or the other. But as a Christian, to me, when we look at this passage, we have to, anyone who's followed Jesus for any amount of time, we have to look at ourselves in the light of the older son. And I'm not saying that any of you here would be mad because someone found his way back to father. Not at all. I think you guys would be happy. You guys would really care that that person did. But when you think of the whole of scripture, when you go through all of Jesus's teachings, we are supposed to develop and have the father's heart. So if we have the father's heart and we know our lost brother is out there and we know that the father is running towards him, are we doing our job? Or do we have the father's heart if we're stuck on the couch with the remote in our hand, watching TV, indifferent to the situation that's going on? And the answer is no. If we have the Father's heart, if we truly see everything the way he does, which we never will be able to, but if we're searching for him, then the only response to that situation is to rip the hinges off the screen door when we bust through that thing, running after our younger brother, running after our lost brother. That is the only proper response in this situation. The father is running. Are we? What does it mean to reach wide in these situations? What does it mean to be a person and to be a church who have their arms open, reaching wide for those who are still lost, who are still far from him? It's not a bit as big of a step as we think it is. Paul uses verbiage like slave. And our mind goes somewhere that he doesn't intend. It is just a few degrees turn to start seeing other people the way God sees him, the way God sees them. To put their needs ahead of ours, to, to put our wants to the side in these situations and live for God's purpose. 
And when we look at our lives, when we look at those people around us who don't want anything to do with what we have, it makes it hard. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. I read another statistic that says the average time that it takes from a person to hear about Jesus and then become a Christ follower is three to five years. And we take it for granted thinking everyone knows about Jesus. Everyone knows. No, they they really don't. We're talking about a significant um, bit of knowledge about Jesus and what he has done for them. Some of them never make it at all, but three to five years. It is a significant investment. And with that investment, we have the ability to win. So in your life, as you look around your offices and your classrooms and your households, your friends and your family and your neighbors, it's hard. It is really hard. But that doesn't take away the fact that our Father is running. Are we running with Him? Now, as a church, what do we do? How do we do it? Well, there's a lot of things we do as a church. It's, it's silly things like football Sunday on Super Bowl Sunday where we have some videos of some football players up there and we get snacks and we have little squishy footballs we throw at you. It's so you can invite That's a simple step. Luis Palau died not too long ago. And for those of you who don't know who he is, he was an amazing evangelist. Hundreds of thousands of people will enter the gates of heaven because of him and his work. And he had some of his own numbers that his organization compiled. 88% of Americans will go to a religious Ceremony to a religious event if they're invited. 88%. But what also came out of that survey is just 2% of Christians are actually willing to seriously invite people. Because it's scary. Because we might get rejected and you probably will. And we have to be comfortable with that the first time and the second time and the third time. Because the whole point is we are running with the Father. We are running after those people. Other things we do at the church, we do really well. We reach wide in our Embrace Grace Ministries. And it does an incredible job at reaching wide and showing the love of Jesus because Good deeds leads to goodwill and leads to the good news. We've said that over and over here. Good deeds leads to goodwill and leads to the good news. So that lawyer that I started off with, he went in to the uh, service, whatever that service was. Didn't want to be there. And then he noticed on a flyer that that church had spots, camping spots in Yosemite National Forest. 
Camping spots in Yosemite National Forest are hard to come to, come, come with, and this church had them. His kids wanted to go, and he didn't want to miss an opportunity. He wanted nothing to do with the, what this church was selling, but he wanted one of these spots in Yosemite. So he goes on that trip that summer, is forced to eat with all these other Christians, and then something happens. Something changes. He starts to see that these people that he thought were weak and foolish were actually smart and loving. And that's actually one of the main tools that the early church used. They'd go out and they'd invite people into their communities to have dinner, whatever they were doing. And as they came into their communities, they would find out the difference that this community had, the way they loved each other, the way they treated each other. And it changed lives. So yes, we reach wide. And it's not just about events. It's not just about trunk or treat where we reach wide. It's not just about serve day, which is coming up. And by the way, we're going to throw up a QR code right now. A lot of you have already signed up for this. We've got all the projects ready to go. So tomorrow, all you, all you have signed up will get a, a, an email with choices of where you want to serve. Please fill it out. For those of you who have not signed up yet, I'm going to wait here. Pull out your phones. Take a picture of that. If, if you're unable to do that, take out a connection card or a surf card. Write down that you want to be a part. Don't miss this. The father is running after Hutch. Are you willing to run with him? This is one of the ways we reach wide, and it's going to be great. One more time, bottom line of this whole thing. The father is running after his lost children. Let's run with them. Are we a church willing to run with him. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you allow us in on your mission. You had to help us light a fire in this church, in our hearts, and help us to be a shining light in our community. Every place that we reach, reach wide, outside of here, inside of here, with our music or the way we do things or our lighting, it's all reaching wide to run with you. God, help us, move us, and give us your hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. One more thing, this was uh, talked about on social media this week, and I seem to have disappeared. We have new four stickers. Grab those as you're walking out. They're at the desk right there. So these things. Pastor Kent's given this challenge before. How many times have you gone up in the scooter's line and someone has paid, someone in front of you has paid for your drink? It's a simple thing that lifts your day. No matter what's going on, for that moment, someone cared about you and they didn't even know you. So this is what this is for. Put this on the back of your car. Let people know that you love your church. And then when you do those little acts, it can let them know that this church is for them.
All right, guys, have a great week. Go be for somebody.